In every place I've been, I've met my Scorseses and Spielbergs. They may not have 50 of them, but they've got people who are incredibly talented, perhaps as talented, if not more talented than some of the people we consider in the West to be incredibly brilliant. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Bartek Szymanski. I am the host of the Across the Globe Film Festival, and our guest here today is Mark Lorber. Mark Lorber is one of the most experienced international content production acquisitions formats and programming executives and an award-winning producer. Mark served as Senior Vice President of Original Programming and Production and the Executive Producer for HBO Europe to launch HBO's plan to produce local language series. While at HBO, he ramped up feature-length regional documentary productions to over 20 per year, including the division's first ever nomination and win at the 2010 International Emmys for Romania. Mark conceived, developed, and physically produced on international locations, a franchise of telefilms with partners such as Telemunchen Group in Germany and Nine Network in Australia. Mark earned his master's from Columbia University's graduate film program, as a producer and intern for David Letterman in New York. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bartek. We are really so very happy and grateful that you are here with us today. We always want to hear um, from someone like you in the industry. We sort of feel that it's always behind the scenes, not really always talked about um, what you do in your career and with your field. Um, so very, very excited to find out, uh, find out more. So I wanted to ask you, you know, we'll, we'll sort of jump from the, from the middle, you know, we'll eventually get to um, how you started, where you grew up and, and everything. We know that you interned for David Letterman. Is, how exactly did, did, did that happen? I, I guess I'm not quite sure myself because at the time, very specifically, they did not take interns from Indiana, where I was from at the time and where David Letterman was from. Um, but I had an interview and somehow uh, convinced them to take me. There were five interns, two of whom uh, I'll say had uh, very strong in industry connections. And uh, three of us, including myself, kind of knew no one and um, perhaps got accepted a little bit more on our merits, less so our connections. But that was a long time ago. That's when he still had his show at NBC before they moved to CBS. So this, this goes back some years. But I was going back and forth to New York because that's where I thought I needed to be, where the opportunities were. And so I had a junior year abroad and off. The first part of junior year, I spent in New York interning for David Letterman. And the second part, coincidentally, I spent in London studying here. Very cool. Um, you know, I always ask this, this uh, question to someone in, in your field or someone who's always, um, you know, uh, has a huge network, uh, you know, works behind the scenes. Uh, when you were in college or even before that, what was your vision of what you wanted to do? Um, did you simply have, you know, uh, at least, you know, just to work in the film and TV industry or, or did you want to have a specific role or was it just something completely different? So you're asking, did I know exactly what I wanted to do when I was 17, 18? The answer is, of course not. Um, I thought I wanted to be an architect and then I learned that you had to draft be a draftsman for a number of years, which didn't seem that interesting to me. And so for lack of, um, let's say a better idea, I, I went to university uh, college pre-law and within a semester, I had changed um, the, to the, the disappointment of my parents to English literature and theater as my majors and minors. And um, say by the end of the first year of my freshman year, I was off to New York and I knew that 
something to do with something creative or the liberal arts was what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer. So that's as much as I knew at the time. At the time, I mean, were your, your family and friends supportive of your decision to, to do something in, in the TV and the arts, or um, was it still something sort of that was in the air? No, I won't say that my parents and my friends and family were ever completely unsupportive. But when you come from a, a traditional family, and my family were largely doctors and lawyers, and you tell them you want to do something that sounds a bit odd, and you have no real family connections um, to that industry, uh, that industry is not based in your hometown, your home state, around the corner. You have very little connection to it, which means a lot of people don't understand it. All they know is what they see or hear in the news or on television. It, it seems like a strange endeavor. And, and um, I didn't want to be an actor. So for a lot of people, they just didn't know what that meant and, and what the career path would be and whether that could be a successful career path. So no, I can't say my parents were very pleased and my relatives were very pleased when I switched. I think um, I was fairly headstrong and they tolerated me. And I also think they probably thought, um, well, he's going to get a good education anyway, and he'll wear out of this. This is just a, a, a thought, an idea, uh, a hobby. It's not something he's going to pursue long term. And um, right or wrong, they were wrong. And I've stuck in it that long. And now, of course, my family long ago came around to supporting me in pursuing this as a as a career path. That's good. That's good. That's that's uh, it's always inspiring to, to, to hear that. And I'll just follow up with that. Um, you know what? What your advice would be for someone who who does grow up in Indiana or somewhere uh, in in Middle America or somewhere um, where they don't have the access uh, to to a large network? Because I, I feel like there is um, you know sort of a mindset that if you don't have the connections, if you don't have the the the, the family, it's going to be um, you know hard to make it or simply impossible. Um, do you feel that it, it's still like that today? Um, or, or is no, there, um, I, I won't say that I used to walk 10 miles in the snow to school, but <laughs> okay. younger people starting out their path in, in the entertainment industry today have a far easier ability to get on the ladder. You got to remember when I started out, we didn't have mobile phones. We had landlines. So somebody would physically have to call you at home or at an office. We didn't have email. We just started, I think, when I, early on in being in New York, I remember old-fashioned fax machines. Paper used to roll out, and it would fade eventually. So we didn't have email. We didn't have the internet. Um, I had an early Apple computer when I was in graduate school. It cost a lot of money and probably had about the, the processing power of my little finger. So now what you have is, you know, so people say, well, when you went to Los Angeles, how did you get those meetings? I physically wrote a letter and I mailed it and I waited for them to send me a letter back in New York, right? So that takes weeks if they replied at all. So, you know, it's a different process. So when with social media, with LinkedIn, with emails and email addresses and websites for companies and the greater power of the internet, information. The only information I could get was from the newspapers or magazines at the time that I could access or receive at home, at college, things like that. Um, the only entertainment information or news I got was whatever was on the local stations. You know, we didn't have a wide degree of cable television at the time. 
We had some, we had HBO, we had things like that, but it wasn't that they were putting out constant information and news about the entertainment path. You didn't have online film or television schools or masterclass programs or conferences. And if you have reasonable internet access, you can gain information, you can gain contacts and network, and you can educate yourself to a degree and find other like-minded people who may not be living next door to you, but might be in the next town over or somewhere within your greater region. And you can find those connections. And that's incredibly valuable as you're trying to get on the ladder and you're trying to gain information and trying to educate yourself. So, um, yeah, it was a little harder back then. Absolutely. And when, when you found yourself in this position, was there something particular that you had to sell yourself on or was it sort of, you know, be kind and, 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 and work hard mindset that you had? I think I grew up with a, a uh, be kind because kindness goes farther and work hard mindset from my family, from my the people around me. And I think I'd like to think I retain that, you know, kindness will get you a lot farther. In every business, you're going to come across people who present a problem, situations that present a problem, and you have to decide how you want to respond. And I think uh, intelligence and kindness is a good way to start. Otherwise, sometimes you have to push back, hit back a little harder, but you have to choose your reactions. I wish I could tell you that just hard work alone is the way to succeed. No, it's a, it's a combination of factors in this industry, but working hard is a big part of it. I um, want to linger on a little bit more. What is it exactly that got you interested in, in film and TV? Um, were you someone who just sort of grew up with a lot of shows uh, that you felt a, a kinship to, or was it something about the industry that excited you in another way? I grew up with a lot of television, as most people of my generation did. We watched a lot of television. We saw a lot of films. We used to go to the movies a lot. You know, sometimes friends would screen something on a 16 millimeter reel. I remember as a kid, these older neighborhood kids would, I think for 25 cents or 50 cents, give you popcorn, some candy, and they'd screen a movie down in, in somebody's basement with some old reels and things. And just loving movies and, and television and feeling that writing, directing, because I didn't know what producing was at the time, seemed to be for me. I always creatively wrote. I just perhaps didn't have an outlet. When I look back, I won this poetry prize in fifth grade. So I was about 11, and uh, this semi-famous poet at the time showed up, signed his book to me as the award winner, and I think that had a tremendous impression on me. If I look back, there were a number of things, including you know, when I got to college and when I got to film school, I was able to work with some amazing filmmakers at a young age and their uh, genius and their kindness inspired me. And I thought, yep, that's what I want to do. Something related to that. I got to stick in this. With, with that said, going into, uh, did, you went to college? Yeah, I went to college in Indiana because I got a scholarship to stay there rather than going to the east coast of the United States, to go to the last all-male liberal arts college of about 850 students total. So it was um, about the size of my high school. And um, I, I think on one floor of a dorm at an east coast university, there would have been 850 students alone. So it was a relatively small college in a town of about uh, 30,000 people. 
uh, about an hour west of Indianapolis, but it turned out to be a great education. And they allowed me to be a big fish in a little pond. And they also nearly never said no to me. So when I said, oh, I want to do this, or I want to try that, or I, I want to set up this club or do this thing, there was less bureaucracy and policy. So I was able to try things and fail or, or succeed. And that um, probably gave me a good notion in terms of being able to go to places like New York, go to uh, graduate school, and certainly having a closer relationship with professors than most people do at larger universities was a huge boost as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and do, do you find that, um, you know, nowadays, is it important to have a certain degree in, in a certain field if you're looking to be qualified for a job within the, the film and TV uh, industry, or is it a lot more relaxed? I'm, I'm telling one of my mentees here now, I think you absolutely have to try to have a university education, a, a bachelor's degree, maybe even an associate degree. But I have come across very few people, I can probably count them on one hand, at, at senior levels, ultimately, in the entertainment industry, who didn't go to college, who don't have at least a bachelor's degree. That's not to say that there aren't, but they're far fewer. And then there's a large degree of people who might have a further degree, a master's, a PhD, something, or, you know, or a final degree in whatever area, you know, um, as a cinematographer, as a sound technician. Um, it's, it's the education is invaluable and having a college degree is a, is a, a, a terrific thing to fall back on. But it's the experiences and the people you will meet, ideally, during those college years that are also invaluable in growing and maturing people. It's not to say you can't make it uh, by just starting out and working, but uh, I, I think it adds a degree of difficulty. But that, that said, I'm often asked, you don't go, have to go to Harvard or Yale. I went to, uh, I'll, I'll name it, Wabash College. And now there's far more people in their theater program, far more people who followed me into television, into, uh, not that I broke the chain, but followed me into film and television and things like that, you know, when I said I wanted to do this, and I told other students and professors, there was no one around me who wanted to go to graduate film school. It, 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 there was no one they knew who had applied. It just wasn't something at the time. Now there's far more people, and there's a, there's a greater path. So I'm an example, and I know many people. I know some terrifically wonderful, talented people who did go to Harvard and Yale and UCLA and Stanford, and I know people who went to universities in the most out-of-the-way places and universities and colleges most people might not have heard of. They weren't necessarily big. So, um, you know, going to a well-connected university, there might be alumni or connections that get your foot in the door initially, maybe get you on the first rung or two of the ladder. But after that, it's up to you. And I can't say that anybody hired me or didn't hire me because I went to Wabash. But then again, I also tell people I've never been hired because I have a graduate film degree from Columbia University, which is an Ivy League university. It's never been a factor in any, in any job or any project I've ever gotten. It made my parents happy that I went to an Ivy League school, but that's it. Well, so with all this, and, and I know you've worked, uh, you know, with with various uh, production companies uh, before this, but I, I think what sparks people's interest is with, with everything that you just said, um, how did you come about landing a job at Lionsgate? About eight years ago, but it really goes back about 20 years. You know, I was doing my thing and I met various people at different stages of their careers, 
And I met a guy who now is the chairman of Lionsgate Television about 20, 21 years ago. And um, he wasn't long off of being a production assistant on Baywatch. And, you know, we just met through people in L.A. And he was just part of a wider circle of acquaintances, people trying to work their way up. And uh, so we've known each other that long. And over the years, as I have been working internationally, every time I would be in L.A. or back in L.A., we might have lunch. And he would query me about my experiences, kind of as, a, you know, I like to say as an exotic ice cream flavor, because most Americans weren't working internationally. So they would lick me and say, well, that's an interesting flavor. Okay, but go back to whatever they were doing, uh, because I had these very odd and unique experiences to them. Um, and we just kept talking about, you know, a desire to try and do something together. So uh, probably about nine years ago, he reached out and said, hey, I could use you as a consultant to do this for us. And it probably took about nine months before we formalized it. And I was able to start. Uh, and I did a variety of things for them uh, full time, but non-exclusively over the last eight years. Uh, which meant I, I was able to do things for other studios and networks and broadcasters around the world. And about mm, coming up on more than a year and a half, not yet quite two years, they came to me and made me an offer to work for them exclusively as an employee and to join them. So they made me an offer, I guess. I could have refused, but I didn't. Uh, their senior vice president of international television and co-productions and acquisitions for the last year and a half and some formalized here out of London. So you really want to know how did that come about? I worked hard. I had some experiences that were valuable to them. And I had made connections, not at the last minute, but starting 20, 21 years ago, as I was building my career and meeting people, because most of the people, if you work hard and stay in it long enough, you're going to come across people again and again and again and again. So, you know, the notion of being kind on the way up is important. People who were an assistant two years ago might be hiring you this year. There's somebody who uh, asked me to consult for Amazon, who I had worked with 16, 15, 16 years ago at Sony when this per person was an assistant in the department and now heads production for a division of Amazon Studios. So you never know where people are going to be in a few years. Absolutely. I 100% agree. I wanted to, to know also, as you said, that you were a different flavor at the time because of uh, you know, your American background um, and how that relates today. We find that, um, well, I find at least uh, that it's, you know, TV is becoming very much more globalized um, among, uh, among certain uh, you know, countries across Europe and across here. How has that changed between, you know, working in American television and going across the pond to the UK and all across Europe, as you said, you, you, you worked? To a degree, Bollywood always existed. Uh, the Chinese film industry and television industry always existed in a nascent form. Uh, Nollywood in Nigeria existed to a degree in a nascent form. But for most Americans, we didn't know that there was really an entertainment world much outside of our own borders. We knew the Canadians occasionally up there were doing something, and every once in a while something would come over from the UK, but we didn't really have dubbed or subtitled programming. At best, we had an independent cinema in our town showing a foreign film that was subtitled, and that's kind of all we knew. But most people didn't see that. So if anything, the monopoly on 
soft power that the American entertainment industry had is no longer. Uh, it's not to say that we are not a significant uh, economy in the entertainment industry. We are, both film and television. But we, you, know, you realize increasingly the world is flat and that there are other countries producing great film and television. If Parasite can win an Academy Award, uh, if you're watching Lupin or Narcos or Gamora or Fauda or Desenfrenadas or a number of shows in America, you realize the world is flat. America has grown more into the other continents and vice versa. So the notion of what I'm doing is less exotic than it was 5, 10, 15 years ago. Is it different though, um, working or in terms of your jobs and what you do? Um, and I know you you worked uh, specifically in in Eastern Europe. I, I actually grew up in a traditional Polish Catholic family. But how was it working? Let's say you know in Eastern Europe as compared you know in comparison to the UK or in comparison to to here in uh, in the States. If you look at my career, I've worked in the U.S. and I've worked in major. Western industrialized countries. And then I've worked in emerging territories, Russia and Eastern Europe and Africa and the Middle East. To a degree, what makes it different? The budgets are different. The resources, the people may not have the skills and education that the very sophisticated, educated industry folks in the US or other Western countries have. But again, they've been able to gain that. The barriers to entry used to really be technological, lighting, microphones, editing, all cost a lot of money. You had to have a high level of skill to a degree to run it and to repair it. So now, as you know, you can make a film on your iPhone with an HD camera. You can edit it with off-the-shelf software. You've got graphics and, and visual effects and music that you can get off the internet. And you can edit that project on your home laptop. So it's made the barriers to entry lower, which allows a lot more people to create and produce. And some of that is very good. A lot of it is very interesting, especially in their own languages and cultures. And as much as we in the West and in the English language have influenced people for a long time, they've taken that in. Same TV shows I used to watch, now they're watching. And they've been influenced by that. So you see people coming out with very intriguing concepts and ideas these days. And it doesn't matter where they're sitting. And those shows that they're creating, not in America, not in the UK, it's in their home language or territory, but across the world. So that's really what's changed, is it's more accessible, it's less expensive, and uh, innovation comes from a lot of different places. Look, America's a large country. Um, even in the UK is 70, 69, 70 million people. But in every place I've been, I've met my Scorseses and Spielbergs. They may not have 50 of them. People you might think are, oh, they're a creative genius, but they've got people who are incredibly talented in every one of those countries and regions. So, um, uh, and perhaps as talented, if not more talented than some of the people we consider in the West to be incredibly brilliant. So we don't have a monopoly on, uh, on, on genius and uh, creativity just because we might speak English or because we live in the U.S., more of a, a general question, and you can answer it uh, in whichever category you'd like, but uh, what's the, the biggest challenge uh, working within the TV industry today, um, specifically in your role? It's easy to answer. Uh, people ask me, what's the best thing about my job? Every day is different. What's the worst thing about my job? Every day is different. So if this is 
uh, if you're looking for a career that has consistency and you know what each day might look like and you can um, shut off the computer or the phone at five or six o'clock and you can have a free evening or weekend, this may not be the career path for you. I wish I could predict the future. I can't. No one can. That's why, you know, not even Spielberg, everything he has touched has been creatively successful or financially successful. We just don't know. We're, we're sort of, you could say we're manufacturing, we're building a car, but every time we build that car, it's with different labor and different parts. So we know what it want, we, we want it to look like, and we wish it looked like that last really successful car we built. And even if we go into it with the same labor and the same parts, it's going to come out different. I, I agree. One more question about your uh, position specifically and how the industry has changed uh, in the last year, and we'll sort of wrap up. And I've been asking this question a lot, obviously, um, but how has your role specifically changed uh, in the last year with, with the pandemic? Um, obviously, we know that productions, uh, many productions were sort of put on hold, um, but what effect will that have now moving forward? Um, are productions that were supposed to be you know, produced still ongoing? Is there now more projects than there used to be? Um, how does the landscape look like right now? Well, it's a big question. Say, how has my role changed? How do I put this? Um, I think I was always somebody who wore multiple hats and knew how to pivot and to adapt and to collaborate. I always had a home office and I've always, as I travel and I worked with different entities, effectively I was working remotely, even for Lionsgate when I was consulting for them and I might be actively on production in another country, many hours and miles away from where they were, how do I communicate with them? How do I keep up with the work? So for me, working remotely and collaborating and communicating from afar was less of a trick than it perhaps has been for other people. But I think the key factor here was just being able to pivot. And part of a producer's job is to hope for the best and plan for the worst. So it's sort of in the nature of what I've been doing and what I've learned to do. So COVID obviously was a big curveball and a hell of a roller coaster. But it's not that we didn't deal with various curveballs. I've been amidst um, uprisings, potential terrorism, natural disasters, all those kinds of things that we tend to say are force majeure events and throw curveballs at you. What you learn in this industry is you've got to have options and you've got to have solutions and you've got to be able to pivot. Every day we go into filming something, we've got a script, we've got the actors, we've got the locations of the studio. We'd like to think we're going to know exactly how that day is going to turn out, but we don't. We're making a creative product. We're making hot air. So you constantly have to adjust to the situation in front of you. An actor is sick, a crew member is sick, a location is lost, a set falls apart, uh, it rains when it shouldn't rain, it's sunny when you want it to be snowy. It's a variety of situations we have to adjust to. So I, I think in some ways, the film and television industry was really well positioned to adjusting. The difficulty here was we're dealing with something deadly and unknown. And so the sheer physicality of COVID presented the biggest issues of just keeping people safe and healthy and well, in addition to the costs to do that. And there were additional costs and who was going to handle that. But I think now, as some countries are emerging, some faster than the others, there's a demand for content and there was pent up demand. A lot of things were put on hold until the situation got better or insurance was in place or people felt comfortable working again in certain situations. It looks to be a very busy summer 
through the end of this year, perhaps even busier than pre-COVID times. But again, a lot of that is dependent upon the situation and vaccinations in a number of countries and places. So we'll have to see. I, I think we will, you know, thank you for, for answering that. It's always interesting to hear, like you said, that your job was always kind of remote while giving advice to certain productions and the unexpected ways that productions can go all over the world and in different countries. With that said, I, I have uh, one more question for you, which is uh, our last question for all our guests. What is your favorite film of all time and why? The film that perhaps inspired me to do this, there were, you know, I have a, a number of favorite films from Apocalypse Now to Being There to Animal House and Caddyshack, you know, the films that I kind of grew up with to A Christmas Story. But the one that really sort of made me go, wow, that's amazing. That's different than anything I've ever seen. And I don't know what to make of it, but I'd like to be a part of that. I was interning for David Letterman. I went down to Greenwich Village to see a late evening movie and it was pouring rain that night. So everybody in the cinema, there was kind of steam coming off of you and we're all a bit wet and damp. And the movie was David Lynch's Blue Velvet. That's probably my favorite film uh, for a lot of reasons. Not two years later, I had the remarkable opportunity when I was in graduate school to work with David Lynch. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, Mark, we really appreciate you uh, being here on, on the show with us. I think you gave us uh, more than enough in terms of insights and a lot of the uh, young people that will be listening in as we prepare for our film festival coming up soon. Mark, thank you again so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Hope it's useful.